Hey, everybody. It's Matt from Solidarity House. Uh, thanks for listening. Welcome to our post-debate analysis for what might be the last debate of this primary and uh, the first debate that was just between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And I was very happy to learn that Malcolm Gordon, a noted debate coach and friend, uh, would be joining me on the show. And so we're going to talk to Malcolm for a few minutes, and then I will have a few parting thoughts on the debate. If you are interested in being more involved in the Solidarity House cooperative conversation about politics and about this race and about everything else that's going on in the world, uh, you can find us on Twitter at House Solidarity, uh, just Solidarity House Cooperative. Uh, you, it will pull up as, uh, as uh, House Solidarity. You can also find us on Facebook, Solidarity House Cooperative. Uh, you can, of course, support us on Patreon, which I'm going to urge you to do at the end of the show. Uh, and there are many other ways to find us and get a hold of us. I want to talk about the portion of the debate where Biden, who has already uh, leaked his choice of a VP anyway, uh, committed to have a woman for vice president. Uh, and Bernie, on the other hand, said he likely would, he probably would, um, but he didn't make a commitment. So my friend, uh, Lisa Corrigan, of the Lean Back podcast pointed out to me uh, that you know Biden having already leaked his VB, VP choice and Bernie you know not having chosen uh, is the source of that awkwardness. Now I agree with everyone who's saying that it looks very bad. I strongly believe that both candidates are going to pick female uh, vice presidents. I also think that Bernie's team should have planned for that, and he should have been committed to it, and he should have had a better answer. I disagree that it suggests uh, that Bernie is not committed to having a woman on the ticket, but, the, but it does give pundits the opportunity to suggest it, and I suspect that that's going to cost Bernie uh, and, and potentially cost Bernie a lot. Mal Gore, great to, great to have you on. Great to be here. Tell me your initial thoughts uh, and kind of reactions about the debate. Well, I think that you, if you're trying to think about whether or not the debate's going to affect the primary, that really all of your understanding of, of the way to evaluate it has to start from the premise that the bar for Biden was exceedingly low. So I'm going to talk a lot about who I thought was better on the issues, who I thought had a message that uh, kind of can resonate more effectively. Um, but the bottom line is that the standards were very low for Biden coming in, and I don't think that he had any major gaffes. I mean, he lied a lot, but, but that's pretty standard in any, at least people expect that in any debate. So I don't think that he's going to get hit very hard in the media on that. My guess is that, you know, there's going to be a lot of positive coverage. Uh, there's a couple of things I noticed. Uh, the first is that uh, obviously coronavirus dominated the first half of the debate and kind of continued to. Even the, the closing remarks were framed around it. I thought that where Bernie was strong, could have been even stronger, was trying to explain that of the two candidates up there, uh, one of them very much views coronavirus as an exceptional crisis that requires exceptional measures. And the other views the coronavirus crisis as exceptional and requiring exceptional measures, but also 
part of a larger problem. And one place where I thought that Bernie was strong and that Biden could have improved upon is that Bernie was very good about saying that we can't just alleviate the symptoms of, uh, of coronavirus spreading throughout society. We also have to understand that for many people, they were already in a crisis before it happened and that we have to ask ourselves, why is the economy so vulnerable? Why are we so incapable of creating a unified, quick, coordinated response? Now for Biden, the answer was, uh, and I do think it's a legitimate one to a degree, just lack of competence. He sort of played up the technocratic angle of I'm gonna have experts and we're gonna figure out how to distribute the supplies. I didn't think Bernie looked weak on that at all. I thought he basically, was at the same level as Biden, but um, he also talked about how we need longer-term solutions. So I thought that that was an area where Bernie was a little bit better, uh, even though Biden was several times able to sort of insinuate. And, and a lot of the tenor of the first half of the debate, I believe even one of the, the, the headlines they had at the bottom of the screen was political revolution versus improving the system. And I think Bernie was doing a good job of prosecuting the case that those two things aren't mutually exclusive and Biden doubled down. Right. That said, uh, I do think that there were some areas where Bernie could have improved, particularly on immigration. I thought that he could have been more aggressive there. Um, and I thought, I think that he needs to do a better job of, uh, he's doing a great job on the leadership question of there's a reason that you're, and Biden did this throughout the night. He, Biden constantly had to admit that he was wrong. And he said, oh, no, I've changed my mind now. And I thought Bernie was good <clears throat> at drawing those distinctions and saying, look, I was for this before it was popular. I, I had the principled stance, except for the area of guns. He kind of let Biden mention that a couple of times and never directed it head on. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have some specific questions, but those are kind of my broad thoughts and the contrast overall that the debate showed between leadership strategies, which I thought was stark but I don't think that it's going to change much of the narrative in mainstream media coverage because the expectations for Biden were exceedingly low. I think that at this point, I'm so uh, kind of cynical about the, the, the entire process of the primaries. And frankly, that I, you know, I believe uh, that if Biden has the nomination in the bag, it is because of layers and layers of the population that, are not as into politics as we are uh, and associate Biden with a, a good time, the golden years, uh, you know, the, the Obama years. So I, I feel like a lot of this is kind of almost a foregone conclusion and I don't know how it moves the needle. I will say that I'm struck by how at almost every available opportunity, and there's some exceptions I want to note, uh, Bernie is always bringing up and mentioning uh, parts of the population and parts of, uh, of our, uh, you know, kind of brothers and sisters who uh, are really suffering. Um, and so uh, Bernie's the only candidate on the stage tonight talking about the homeless uh, in in um, reference to the coronavirus, uh, talking about prisoners and prisons in reference uh, to that. And I think that 
the, the way I would sum up kind of what you're saying is uh, that, you know, Bernie comes along and says, this is a crisis. We need to take immediate measures and shift the system, change the system in, in comprehensive ways to avoid this happening again. Uh, and Biden is really just the first half of that statement. This is a crisis. We need to take extreme measures. And that's the contrast. And he, uh, Biden really embraces that. He do, it's not like he's shying away from that incrementalism. He thinks that people prefer it. And to some extent, he may be right. Everything's been coming up, Biden. I mean, you mentioned the multiple layers. It's hard to believe that three weeks ago, this is a candidate that everyone thought was just had no chance. And honestly, the only reason that he got this consolidation and backing was because he was the only person that wasn't Bernie that was showing any life whatsoever. I mean, they waited until the last possible moment to consolidate behind him, which I think says a lot in the views of Biden, even within the Democratic establishment and how powerful a candidate he is. But um, obviously he does not, to them, he's a much more palatable candidate than Bernie Sanders is. I, I like your comment about how Bernie only mentioned, or was the only one mentioning these populations that are ignored. Even at the end of the debate, of course, they had to end on electability before closing statements because so much of what Biden's done is because uh, Bernie's right. And I thought, I wish Bernie would have been a little bit more assertive on this, that poll after poll shows that the ideas he supports and that Biden opposes, the people are behind Sanders. But when it comes to electability, which is basically an entirely a media construct, it is a very malleable, uh, hard to define term. Um, but when it comes to that, that's why they break for Biden. So even when Biden was talking about surge and turnout and everything, I really wish that Bernie would have taken the opportunity to say, look, a lot of that is just people who don't want Trump. Those people are going to show up for me. Um, but will they, but will my people show up for you despite my efforts? Well, the, the other reason I bring that up though, is because when they asked Biden about Hispanic support, he basically did not acknowledge the question whatsoever. He just started talking about all the other groups that support him. And I think it speaks to that mentality that you're talking about, where uh, even groups that are, even when people point out that these groups should be important, you know, he just kind of glances over them and says, well, I have these other groups. Instead of asking the fundamental question of what are the needs of these communities and how is it that your campaign uh, speaks to them. And I think that that is another area where Bernie was a little bit better um, in being realistic about his weaknesses as well as his strengths. Um, and then the last thing is, uh, I, I do wish that in the closing statement that Bernie would have been bringing it back to this question of leadership, because I think one of the strongest points he had in the debate was when he tied all of these votes Biden had and said, look, I think it's great that you're coming around now, but real leadership is t being able to take these stances at times when it's not convenient. I really wish he would have made that a bigger part of his closing message, because I think that ties in so well to your observation that Bernie is not just mentioning these groups because it's election season. He is always mentioned and f put those groups at the center of his, his messaging for the last 40 years. I, you know, I certainly don't feel like this debate is going to change the trajectory. I think that it, if something changes that trajectory, it's not going to be this debate. Do you have any thoughts on the, on the climate portion of the debate? I, I, I thought that Bernie's overall message was good 
Um, and, and that was one of the few questions that they asked was actually framed not assuming the superiority of the status quo position, right? When, when Tapper asked that question, he said, Biden, yours is only 1.6, Bernie's is, I can't remember the number, over $10 trillion. Is yours ambitious enough? I wish Bernie would have taken that cue to be, again, much more assertive on that question. I thought his message overall that it's not enough was good, but that he kept, when it came to giving the specifics, just sort of saying, well, it's the ban on fracking. And it's obviously so much more than that. I do think when he came around in a rebuttal, he finally mentioned that Paris Agreement is fine, but that scientists agree it's woefully inadequate to keep us below some of the temperature targets to, to preserve you know, stability across the globe. Um, so I thought that that was a place where Bernie should have been much, much stronger. Uh, but that was a place where he did not want to get into specifics, or I think he was maybe distracted from getting into specifics, where that would have helped him. Because when Biden gets up there and is able to say, oh, and when we, when I, we passed some legislation in uh, the Obama-Biden administration that was, I think he said, uh, $90 billion, and he made that sound like a huge amount. Well, that's less than 10% of the total package that you're proposing now, and it's an even smaller percentage of the package your opponent is proposing. So I really felt that Bernie needed to be a little bit more detailed to draw that contrast that Biden was able to get away with sounding like what are woefully inadequate uh, provisions are going to be sufficient to change things. Um, and while I'm thinking about it, I had one thing I wanted to ask you really quickly what you thought. It really seems to me that this coronavirus crisis in terms of the coverage and in terms of the perception of the candidates is good for Biden. That's not to say that Bernie is going to look bad, but that's so because it's so hyped up and it, as it should be because it's such a crisis that people are much more amenable and accepting to the message of technocracy. I'm going to help you right now. We're going to get the test kits out. That that is the main thing they're looking for. And that since Biden can capture that part, that it really kind of helps Biden because it allows him to somewhat dodge some of these larger structural questions because he can do what neoliberals always do in crisis politics and say, no, we have to address this now. The other stuff is going to have to wait because this is too important. I think this is one of the things that uh, I sometimes get frustrated. That we don't um, teach the public the, the things that you teach your debate students uh, about competition, uh, competitiveness of alternatives, and uh, how much of one solution is swallowed up in another solution. Because I think that what Bernie could have easily said and should have said really is, is, is just that, that um, yes, I'm on board with all of these immediate measures. Uh, we need to take them all. And in fact, I have a more expansive list of immediate measures because we know that Joe really isn't thinking about prisoners. He's really not thinking about homeless people. Um, he's really thinking more in the world of, of small business loans. And, you know, he's still sort of trapped in that neoliberal world. And even my immediate solutions, I think, are going to be better. Um, but that, you know, th this and uh, this more systemic approach um, because we need to understand that, that in the eyes of these vulnerable communities, um, this is really just another manifestation of what has been an ongoing crisis. Uh, and we're going to have more of them, and we're going to have more of them because of climate change. Uh, I maybe am living in a bubble. I, I, in fact, I know I'm living in, in sort of a, uh, 
uh, a confirmation bias kind of bubble because everyone I know is talking about this crisis in terms of the need for the immediate implementation of uh, universal basic income, the need for immediate implementation of Medicare for all. Uh, um, and, and as Bernie pointed out tonight, uh, any sort of fear of having to pay for services is going to stop people from going in and getting tested in the first place. To me, it was so obvious that you know Biden's like, that's fine, we'll pay for all their health care as related to this particular disease, which is such a weird, you know, kind of concession and, and the sort of, uh, you know, yeah, we'll do what you say we should be all, always be doing. Um, but we'll do it in this particular instance. And so I really felt like more of that would have been Bernie's ground. Uh, I feel like we're both kind of saying that we wish uh, that Bernie had out-debated uh, Biden a little bit better in the debate. And and so, uh, but th that's what I would say. I, f I feel like the issues, these issues should favor Bernie and the conversations I've been hearing, uh, they do favor Bernie. I think, I think that they do as well. I think you're going to continue to see an exit polling that, people are very much in support of Bernie's uh, policy positions. And I think that's going to be a real problem if Biden wins the nomination. Look, 60% sure, yeah. of Democrats support Medicare for all. You can't say you're going to veto it and then expect everyone to show up uh, to the ballot box. Um, I, I, I think that Biden revealed a lot, the comments you're talking about, about, you know, when he's just like, oh, well, we'll since it's a crisis, we'll pay for all the health care. You know, he's talking about bailout packages that are, basically the equivalent of what we would pay extra per year for Medicare for all in the budget. And I think that it reveals something ideologically about Biden that if there's a crisis that, as he said, as he reaffirmed at the end of the debate, this is a crisis that transcends ideology and class. Um, and I, I really do think that this is an, the reason that they're willing to make those concessions in a crisis like this is because no matter how wealthy you are, you could still get, um, this virus, you could still be negatively affected by it, even if you have the resources to, to where it doesn't completely devastate your life, it still risks your life. And so I think it's always interesting when those are the kind of crises that neoliberals can get behind, to put a lot of money in, when they're going to transcend class boundaries. But if it's a crisis that is acutely felt by uh, the lower and middle classes, then those are the ones where it's okay for us to go about business as usual. And so I think that that sort of rep, sort of exposed the failure in his policy that he rails against Medicare for all while he supports a coronavirus spending package that is basically the money you could take for a fiscal year and spend on giving everyone health care um, with obviously all the other reforms that go in the healthcare system to make that happen. And then him just sort of saying, well, the reason is because it transcends. I really wish that Bernie would have brought class even more starkly into it and say, yes, that's why you all are always willing to inject money in the crises when the problem transcends class and affects the upper classes as well. Precisely. Where, where are you going to be when it's not doing that? Is there anything you want to add? It's very frustrating to me. Biden just, he was just very, very dishonest about his voting record and large portions of that debate. And I thought the moderators overall were probably better than they've been in a lot of the other debates. Um, we, at least, we at least didn't get the question that's like, Bernie, um, explain to me how you're not going to bankrupt the American economy. You know, we didn't get anything ridiculous like that. So I thought the questions were a little bit better. 
even though some still sort of presuppose the legitimacy of the status quo without calling it into question. Um, but him continuing to rewrite the history of his vote for Iraq and him to continue to deny that he said multiple times proudly the, the arguments he's made about the necessity of cutting entitlements. And then I can't remember which moderator it was, tried to create an equivoc- equivocation between Biden saying publicly that he wants to cut these programs versus Bernie, who the question was sort of, uh, well, you also have called for incremental adjustments. And Bernie had to clarify, my incremental yeah. adjustments yes. was to increase <laughs> benefits. And the fact that they, they have the nerve to try to create, to, to see if they can create uh, you know, them among equals there, this both sidesism is patently absurd. And to me that that is a signal and I'm not watching TV right now, obviously I probably will turn it on a little bit. Lord help me. Um, but that is probably a signal that right now on CNN, MSNBC, that they are not calling Joe Biden out for the multiple times that he just completely um, was wrong, what was dishonest about his positions in the past and his record. And I remember in 2004, one of the things that sunk John Kerry was that the Republicans were able to put the stink on him of being a flip-flopper. And Biden flopped and reversed so many positions tonight that I understand why it's still good that overall that he's changing his position. Like it is good that they're pulling him more to the left, because I think a lot of people agree that's the main role for Bernie to play right now. I think in the general, that's not going to work out as well, because the people are going to question whether or not they can rely on him if he's just going to change his position. So I, I think that we need to think a little bit more about assuming that Biden has the chance of the best chance of being the nominee. I thought that tonight there was a lot exposed for him for why he's going to be weak in a general election. And I don't think that that's going to be the narrative whatsoever. It's always good to hear your astute, hard-hitting analysis. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to listen to some of your thoughts and to share my own. Thanks again for being on. Quick thoughts on the climate crisis portion of the debate, which was unusual in that there was a climate crisis portion of the debate. Neither candidate centered the communities most affected by and have the best solutions to the climate crisis. Indigenous communities, African-American and Latinx communities, uh, island communities, you know, the people who need to be at the vanguard of climate justice. Second, Biden focused on political relationships, while Bernie focused on economic and material relationships. And not coincidentally, Biden's solutions were more idealistic and utopian than Bernie's. Biden assuring the world that he will force other nations to keep their commitments is both a bravado-based construct and kicks the economic and material can down the road. Bernie says industry has to be taken on directly from a standpoint of criminal liability and from the standpoint of an unprecedented and comprehensive financial commitment to structural changes, not just in primary industries, but also in secondary industries. All of that is necessary. Biden instead doubles down on these changes in political behavior, the change in political behavior of nations. Uh, It goes right along with his narrative that the industry can actually be brought to the table, uh, that we can uh, appoint, uh, you know, it's, it's the same logic that says we'll appoint members of the financial industry to regulate the financial industry. We will include 
these big industries as part of the change, uh, which is, which even if that were true, even if we did that somewhere down the line, included, you know, having industry at the table, uh, that's not something to be promising now. Instead, it's time to throw down the gauntlet and say what Bernie says, criminal liability, and we're going to end these things. We're going to end fracking, which Biden dodged or winks, uh, dodged or winked at the fracking question. Um, and again, he doubles down. Biden doubles down on this idea that we'll change the political behavior of nations, uh, we'll change uh, the political behavior of the industry. Even if we were to change that behavior uh, of other nations, even if we were to get other nations to keep the commitments uh, that we're not keeping now, all of that just means that all of these nations, everyone, is immediately going to face the very socioeconomic questions that are the questions that Bernie begins with, these foundational questions. And the last thing I would say about the climate crisis portion of the debate is simply to ask, when we do transition in earnest from a carbon economy, which is inevitable, it's just a question of whether it's a proactive or reactive transition. So when we do that transition, which of those candidates do you trust to take care of the working families who are going to be displaced by those fundamental shifts. And I think most people in all honesty would say they would rather have Bernie making those decisions or guiding that decision-making process as much as a president can, as opposed uh, to Biden. Um, and the idea that somehow Biden can work with Republicans and Bernie can't is really just a myth. Right now, Republicans are so intransigent about everything uh, that the most reasonable looking moderate centrist could be elected and they would have zero success uh, in all of the same ways uh, that any other candidate would have zero success. Uh, what needs to happen instead is a social movement that will force action on the part of intransigent policymakers. And only one of those candidates has a social movement vision of governing, and it's not Joe Biden. And only one of those candidates has come out repeatedly uh, in favor of and uh, for the well-being of these working families who are going to be displaced by those fundamental shifts. If you like conversations like this, if you like content like this, which we make available to people for free, uh, please become a subscriber to Solidarity House Cooperative uh, by going to patreon.com slash Solidarity House. That's patreon.com slash Solidarity House. Thanks again uh, to Malcolm Gordon for joining us. And thanks everybody for listening.